hey, nonprofit leader, you do awesome nonprofit things. And our friends at Pro Resources do awesome HR things. Now, why is that important? Because you have too many things to do than worry about payroll and compliance and benefits and admin and workers' comp. You've got donors to get, you've got clients to serve, and you've got a community to make awesome. So let our friends at Pro Resources help you. Go to ProResourcesHR.com. Learn about how they can help your organization not worry about all the HR things. They've got you covered. Go to ProResourcesHR.com. Let them help you be awesomer at HR while you become awesomer as a nonprofit. ProResourcesHR.com or call them at 800-776-4671 and make sure you mention Do Good Better. Get your special nonprofit rate. Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal? to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. I guarantee you that your inclusion policies and your initiatives that you've rolled out may have taken a back seat because you have 10,000 things to do. And we are going to rearrange your brain to make sure that you know that the importance of talking about 
all the things that you know you need to talk about, but you may not be able to squeeze in. We're going to help you figure that out today. But I've got a fantastic guest that's going to help us because I can't do this by myself. I got to find way smarter human beings to help us with this. So I would love to introduce to you Beth Ridley. She is the uh, founder of uh, the Ridley Consulting Group. Beth, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much. I love the premise of the podcast and the name of the podcast and love your energy. So thank you very much for having me. Listen, it uh, it's so much easier when you have fantastic guests on uh, that uh, get to speak about things that I think we as the nonprofit industry are the, are the leaders at, but we get distracted by our worry that we're not going to hit our budgets and we've got an event going on. And I think when we talk about uh, you know DEI inclusion and we, we talk about equity and it's very important and this is the industry that's going to help push this a lot, we get sidetracked. But that's fine. We're going to talk about all these kind of things. But first, uh, let's introduce you. Why don't you give us a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do and why we're talking today. Yeah. Okay. So I started my consulting practice about five years ago um, after having a long career in corporate, a little bit of a stint in nonprofit and a lot of overseas work experience. Because the one thing that I noticed is that a lot of times in companies like diversity just exists, right? Whether we all look alike or not, clearly we all have different ideas, perspectives. And so many times it felt like you had to just manage diversity or just focus on the commonalities. And I felt like that was just, um, you know, diversity is really the gold mine of better thinking that leads to better, you know, decision-making that leads to better outcomes. And so it doesn't need to be just managed. It actually needs to be elevated, and woven into everything that we do. And I didn't see anyone really approaching the work around DEI from a leadership competency. How do we elevate the diversity and then use it as an asset, um, but in really simple ways, um, because everybody's really busy. Um, so that's really what I left to do. And I'm really on a mission of helping leaders be more inclusive leaders to get the best out of their most valuable asset, which is the employees that 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 they have. But to do it in really simple ways that we don't take them outside of their day job, but it just enhances the work that they're doing anyway. Especially, like when, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, especially when it comes down to meetings, because that's pretty much how work gets done. It's where we spend the most of our time. So if you did one or two things a little bit differently in every meeting to set the tone, where people feel valued, they're willing to speak up because if they're not speaking up, they're not sharing their authentic perspectives and opinions. Those are seeds of creativity and innovation that don't get planted. And that leads to suboptimal decisions and suboptimal outcomes. So that's what I'm all about. I love it. I uh, also love that you use the term incremental. I think uh, we think of ourselves as like revolutionary organizations that are going to change the world. But we know that everything takes a little bit of time at, you know, little baby steps. And then you look back and you're like, wow, we just went this yeah. journey we went on was uh, fantastic. But th the whole DEI concept and, and is super complicated. Um, it's got a complicated history. It's got a complicated uh, execution plan. Um, it can seem overwhelming. So if you're a nonprofit organization who just, again, I think we're wired differently and better to better suited to sort of embrace holistically um, our insistence to have diverse thought and, and, uh, and, and leaders in the, in, in our circles. Um, mm -hmm. But if you take it as complicated, it's hard to figure out what your first step could be. So let's just hypothetically say we, we want to do it, 
This yeah. is something that we are, uh, our board leadership has, has indicated that we have to have as a priority. In the messy, complicated world, how do we start? What's our first line of or first type of business to kind of like roll this out? Uh, you know, I think I think we actually make it uh, more complicated than it needs to be. I think the first line is just to simplify it and really understand why this work matters for us. And so I'll just give you really three simple ways to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion so that as a company, you can talk about like, why do we care, right? So all of this has to be really anchored in the in the why. So just think of diversity is everything that makes each of us unique. I think a lot of times in the United States, it starts to get scary and and over you know rooted only in the visible differences race gender for example and we start the conversation there and then we stop it pretty quickly because it's scary and awkward and uncomfortable and then people start to think well there's diverse people and this is for them and then there's not diverse people and why should we care um, and so I like to say all of us are more than the wrapper that we come in and again if the real value is diverse ideas and perspectives that's informed by different backgrounds and life experiences. We're all diverse. So start there, right? Diversity is everything that makes us unique. Um, inclusion. I think, I think, yeah, I think, that, I think that's the really the interesting piece is that um, when, when you are brought up, and again, I'm in flyover country, North Dakota. Our diversity level is about as low as possible. Like it's not, it's not great. So when you've got a group of individuals that look like me, so you're, yeah. you're just assuming that we're not diverse. Well, yeah, you are. Your whole background and your neurodiversity, the way that you learn and speak and 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 process yeah. everything, well, that's part of it. I yeah. think we've limited we've limited this sort of thing to like, okay, it's yeah. on one or two items and that's it. Right. And, and then then we don't feel like we fit into a bucket where I love this whole thing of this concept of like everybody's unique. Right. Like, and you you immediately invite people into the conversation. Um, otherwise, you're fighting this battle and then it really goes nowhere. And then a lot of people who feel like I'm not diverse, they feel like, you know, again, they're not part of the conversation. They don't have a leg to stand on and they they sort of check out. And frankly, in an environment where maybe everyone looks the same, some of the diversity that can be the discord and seeds of dysfunction are hidden that never get talked about. Everything and I've heard everything from you know I'm an introvert and I feel like I'm overlooked for leadership roles because yeah. leadership is defined by people who can talk in meetings. Um, but it's even deeper than that. You know, I've had people, you know, share I'm a recovering alcoholic and all we do is happy hours and people want to know why I'm not attending. It's not that I'm being standoffish. You know what I mean? So everybody, when you talk about the hidden dimensions of diversity, can relate to I have to work a little extra hard to fit in. Or I'm afraid of standing out in a bad way. And that means we edit ourselves. If we're not confident being who we are when we show up at work, we are not confident in sharing what we really think, our honest opinions, and you end up getting groupthink and watered down and suboptimal conversations. Yep. So, you know, I think let's simplify it. Um, and, you know, same thing, if I were to simplify inclusion, it's more than just being nice and polite. Uh, I think a lot of times we, you know, my clients will be like, oh, of course, we're inclusive. Well, you you sort of orient around the things that are comfortable, as all humans do. We're creatures of comfort. And so, you know, if we all went to the same college, we talk about that. If we all root from the, for the same sports team, we talk about that because it feels good. 
Um, but if one person is comfortable, someone's uncomfortable. <laughs> so that yeah. means we all have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable to engage and be curious and ask questions and learn about backgrounds, life experiences, differences that are unfamiliar to us that are going to be inherently uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar to us. Um, but if we're not willing to um, appreciate what makes someone fully who they are, we're only sort of engaging superficially and it can feel more of a culture of tolerance than inclusion. And tolerance is not bad. I really want to emphasize it. It's just that it's not, um, you're not going to have a culture that's the differentiator for attracting and retaining, getting the most out of your talent. You're right. going to do okay. You're just not going to do great. Well, the other thing too, is that I, I think in the nonprofit sector completely too, if you're, if you're chatting with a donor and you're asking really good questions, you're naturally curious as a fundraiser for sure. But if you're a program person trying to develop something that's going to roll out and make your community better, you better be asking interesting questions. So yeah. your whole, your whole, um, your premise here on your genuine interest in other people, which is a trait the nonprofit realm has, you've got this in you. Um, yeah, it's you. just being purposeful with it and, and, Sort of, because again, if you ask somebody that's un, it's uncomfortable to ask people for money. You can ask people for money. You can sure as hell have a conversation about DEI, and you can have these uh, these questions that you can ask yourself or your leadership team because you're asking way harder, yeah. way more uh, complicated things to individuals who you're trying to finance your programming. Um, yeah. in a nice way too. I think it's just yeah. more natural at this. And I would say just to get in the habit of being curious, because a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to pry or, you know, I don't want to be weird. I always say, you know, if you just preference a question by I'm curious to know, yeah. it, that's kind of all you need to do to make it less weird, make someone feel like you're not asking out of judgmental, but asking out of and everyone out of genuine curiosity. And frankly, everyone likes to feel like you're taking an interest in them. Right. I will add one more thing, though, because. Um, you know, and this is where people get tripped up and DEI becomes very uncomfortable for them because they feel like they're going to be challenged. Their beliefs and their own backgrounds are going to be challenged. And now I got to change my mind or I'm being asked to be change my values and my beliefs. And I say, no, we're all adults and we're kind of baked. <laughs> so DEI is not about that, but it is about seeking to understand when you don't agree. Um, I'm not asking you to change your beliefs, your values. I am asking you to change your behaviors. So again, if I'm comfortable, I'm going to assume maybe someone is less comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be willing to not my life experience, not my beliefs, but I actually appreciate that not everyone is wired like me and I'm going to respect. I'm going to believe, first of all, what you're telling me, and I'm going to respect that it's important for you. Um, and I think that's the one piece that it's super you know, we forget about that. Um, it's a little harder to do, but it also makes the risks around DEI and that discomfort a little bit easier because no, you don't have to change your own life view on anything, but you do have to create the space where someone else's life view who's different is equally uh, respected. You know, one of the things that I think politically too, um, is that there's, su there's such a, a, a butting of heads based on one or two things, and then the refusal to even find common ground that you probably have 95% of agreement everywhere else, but this is the one or two things that makes it. So this whole process of just being curious and asking genuine questions on trying to learn and understand, 
your uncomfortability is just finding the 95% of the things you already agree upon as just general human beings. Right. Right. I, I think that's the, the, the challenge is to let everybody know that it's okay to not be super comfortable and you're going to learn a hell of a lot more and it's going to be way more fun that way because why wouldn't you want to have these perspectives and have the ability to weave in and out of different individuals different perspectives so that you can have a casual conversation with anybody this is a skill set that becomes conversational yes i mean i think you hit the nail on the head one first of all it's leadership right so leaders aren't hired or paid to make the easy decisions they're hired and paid to take in a whole lot and the best solutions usually are the the nuanced ones and the thoughtful ones that are not black or white either or it's like both and um and then at the end of the day like you said it's really about relationship building and positive and just warm relationships with other people is the number one source of joy in life. The workplace is no exception. And so therefore, I find this work around DEI, it's actually super joyful if it's approached in that way. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I even have been getting away from even talking about diversity, equity, inclusion again, because people come with their own perspective and fears about it. Right. And I just say at the end of the day, we're creating belonging. And yeah. I think that's, you know, everyone gets it. Everyone's like, oh, that's for me. No one's like, I'm anti-belonging. And so that's like a really great place to start. This work is really about creating a culture of belonging where everyone can feel more confident in who they are so they can show up at work more focused on their work. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing too is like if, if you're if you're a, if you're a person and you are at work and you are willing to either come from a place of of curiosity or understanding or or positivity, you've probably got some insecurities on whatever else is going on in your own life, and so you're opening the door to other people having that same um, that same prospects. And again, you're talking with people who are donors and supporters and business people that you might not think have a uh, a similar interest but it's like um but it's like you said like the the fun part about this um and i'll get if i ever meet somebody and you're like hey i'm really into reading uh, super nerdy sci-fi fantasy novels about swords and dragons or whatever and i'm like oh sweet what's your favorite book and they'll mention a book that i fall in love with or yeah. you you have a, this a love of a tv show that's really random or a quote that you've never heard anyone else say that feeling of like, holy crap, that person, it, that you're my unicorn person. That's mm-hmm. that's where this really um, becomes super fun. Is that finding that spark moment of weirdness that you yes. thought you were the only one thinking about, but then turns out this person does, and it doesn't matter what other things that they've got going on because you bonded over that one issue. Yeah, it, it's a it's a conversation you have with your donors. They're like, "Oh my god, I went there, and did you go to this store? And you go to this place? And you're like, yeah, I did. It was great. Nothing else matters because you have to work out this super cool thing that you found out about each other." Right, right. And frankly, even if you're not into that book or whatever, I, now I know that that book exists, yeah. and some people are into it. <laughs> right, right. You have now a weird re- you have a weird reference point you can use in some other conversation that comes up. But you know Absolutely. you will. Yeah. But I'm more connected to the world, you know, because you yeah. know, it's the odds that I'm always going to be interacting with people just like me. So yeah, it's um yeah. So I think just it's it really comes down to just being self-aware that not every like your way is just your way. So a little bit of humility, being curious and a genuine interest in others, 
and seeking to understand even when you don't agree. I think are just those, those are just, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and then again, roll it up and I've created a sense of belonging. Um, and I think that's just an easy way to cut through all of the scariness and the, to demystify it a little bit. I think part of the, I, th- I think everybody listening here goes, yes, I want all of that. And then they'll look at their schedule and go, yeah. when, am, when am I going to have time to even consider some of that? So yeah. I think that's where the challenge I'd love to ask your thoughts as somebody who comes into organizations and businesses and does this work, I don't yeah. have the time for it is probably something that you have heard maybe occasionally on yeah. a busy schedule and this is it and we'd, we'd love to do it, but where on earth are we going to pause and take right. a time out to even consider where we would put this into our brains? Yes. Well, I'm going to answer that in two ways. One more of an elevated way and one just sort of a practical way. From the elevated way, I think some of it is you have to do your own mind shift around what it means to be a leader. What really is your role as a leader? And if your role as a leader is to constantly block and tackle and to be in the logistics and the operations, you're not living up to the role of the leader. You have to carve out some of that time and know that leading by example to bring your organizational values to life in the day-to-day, inspiring people, creating that culture of belonging to bring out the best in people actually is your number one role as a leader. You're up here because you're inspiring and empowering everyone else to do their job. You're the number one. And that's either you're the leader of the whole organization, the executive director, you know, the board chair, all the way down to the leader of your team or the leader of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Some of your day has to be dedicated to, I am inspiring, motivating, enabling others. Um, And so some of that is just making sure that you always keep that part of your job in mind, which I think we could all do a better job of doing. Um, And then the other piece is, again, you know, I have, you know, a ton of just ideas of how to be self-aware, be curious and seek to understand as um, a mindset in your day to day, your daily interactions and um I, one of my favorite products is 50 ideas to increase inclusion and engagement in meetings, because as workers, we spend most of our day in meetings, whether it's one-on-ones, team meetings, meetings with um, the, the, the clients or the patients that you serve or the families or donors or board meetings or whatever. And so some of that is just, you know, how do we do simple things to create that sense of belonging in meetings. I'm not doing anything outside of my duties or my job, um, but I'm just enhancing what I do. I'll give you like a super simple example. And these are all things that can actually just become habit. So like for an example, like getting people to speak up and be like actually engaged in meetings is a common challenge, right? A lot of times meetings, people are in the meetings and you know that they're you're thinking about what else they have to do during the day and they're not fully present. Um, so one small thing you can do to help people feel that they matter is after a meeting, just reach out to someone, like after every meeting, reach out to someone by text, phone, email, or even in person and just say that idea that you shared or the way that you handled that comment or was really great. I really appreciated that perspective. It's 30 seconds. I can assure you 
that is a 30 seconds that will make all the difference to that person the next time they show up. Because we are never thanked, valued, or appreciated for what we're uniquely bringing as employees or participants, you know, during the day. And when someone actually acknowledges that, it's huge. I can't tell you how many times I hear from employees a small thing that a leader did maybe 10 years ago, they still talk about. So these small, thoughtful things have huge impact in terms of how people show up because they feel that they matter. It's worth their time. They're there to uniquely contribute. And I want to do more of that. So, you know, again, some of it is just reshaping your view of what it means to be a leader. And some of it is getting creative with really super simple ideas of how you can show up as an inclusive leader in the ways that, in the things that you're doing anyway. And when you're, when you're, when you're training yourself to do this, and we talk about this all the time, right? We've got a five day framework. We talk about all the time and Fridays are for appreciating. And we carve out 20 minutes a, a week just to reach out and say thank you exactly the way that you kind of represented it from like a quick text for God's sake. I mean, it's just, it takes no time at all. Uh, just, hey, just thinking about you and the thing that you said about that, brilliant, awesome, keep up the good work. That takes yeah. you zero effort. The right. payoff is huge. Yeah. And what what starts out as, okay, I've got to put it on my schedule to just get in my brain that I have to do these things becomes the habit later on that you just can't get rid of. Uh, in the first place, I, I and I'd love to go back to this uh, this concept of the taking the time to do it. No one on your board, no one on your leadership team is going to rip you for taking time out of your day in the leadership role for a personal or professional development of your own leaders. No one's going to rip you on it. You don't a take the time to do it. And this is a this is a real big issue in the nonprofit realm right now. Yeah, there is not anyone who is like no one's really crushing it on taking time and paying for and investing in professional development in the nonprofit realm. It's it's a symptom of this scarcity mindset that we just put aside, that we'll just push on through, we'll cowboy up uh, yeah. and just do it here without taking some time to yourself to sort of grow. And that's what it's attributing to burnout. And then people are leaving the yeah. industry completely, right? So no yeah. one's going to burden you or say, boo to you on trying to improve the morale of your organization and leadership team. No one's going to say that. In fact, they'll say the opposite of like, well done. Yes. To you. Okay. You are so right. And like a lot of times I have clients who are paralyzed when it comes to DEI because they're so afraid of like being canceled and the backlash. And when I say, well, it's really about, you know, valuing, recognizing, appreciating. So people bring more of themselves to work than not. And again, it's like, what will go wrong? Nothing. Because you're right. Like, no one's going to say, how dare you, leader? You're acknowledging me. Stop that. You're actually very, very right about that. I think we always focus on what can go wrong and never think about what can go right. Um, that's, that's, that's one piece of it. Um, and I think the other piece of it is, um, you know, what kind of leader do you want to be? That leader that does these small things is going to stand out, but that is what makes an exceptional leader an exceptional leader. And it, they're going to be exceptional because not everyone's doing it, right? So you have to decide, do I want to stand out as an exceptional leader? And then the third thing that I would say is leaders need to be inspired themselves. Yeah. And a lot of times leaders don't have anywhere else to look up or look to 
to get that extra motivation. If they had someone doing that for them, they would remember how great that feels and they might remember to do it and pay that legacy forward. But a lot of times we're not getting it. Um, And that leads to like a whole nother benefit of belonging, which is more around mental health and emotional well-being and the rise of loneliness, burnout, anxiety, depression, and even physical, you know, um, ailments resulting from emotional um, stress is on the rise. People are not feeling that they're thriving as humans, not in their personal life, not at work. We have to show up for work usually. So I really think we should look at work as being a place that can help fill people up in a positive way versus that one thing that's depleting them even more. And belonging and diversity, equity, inclusion as the underpinnings of belonging is the perfect anecdote almost to these symptoms around loneliness, stress, anxiety. Um, So I think it's becoming more commonplace that leaders do do that for health reasons. Um, especially when companies end up, you know, um, I know companies that are leaning into belonging because they're spending so much money on short-term disability claims from their employees being out due to stress and anxiety. So at at a certain point, there's also the financial motivator for this work. This is an HR epidemic that you're trying to solve by just getting that sense of belonging immediately, right? The stress of like, I don't feel comfortable at work is now ruining your ability to be productive because you are now playing catch up or you're starting over or you're trying to then hire somebody um, to replace somebody who is wonderful that only would take a little bit of effort to prevent this massive slide uh, on on productivity and, and just sort of the good vibes in the office that now it's weird instead of awkward for a moment, it's now weird to show up at work. And that's, the, that's I think, this this really interesting uh, concept of like overly stressing about how I don't know how this is going to play. Well, it can't get worse and it's not going <laughs> to get like, like, like it can't, it's just, it, but I think granting permission to yeah. lift up others within your organization as a leader is a weird thing that we have to say out loud nowadays yeah. because we're tied to this, like, uh, this, these mental gymnastics you have to have in your brain about how if I get caught doing DEI work by some donor right. who doesn't like it, well, yeah. your your reference point is like I'm trying to make this a a wonderful place and get perspectives of people who are going to help us, you know, serve more or do better in their community and make this uh, this community great. And right. I, and and it, and if that and if you have a donor that's going to stress out about that, that's not going to go away. Why the hell are they a donor in the first place? You don't want yeah. to deal with that. It's okay to let people go, like the toxic human beings in your life. It's fine. Just yeah. let them go. It's yeah, fine. that's a great way of framing it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Think about what can go right, not what will go wrong. Yeah, and part of this too, and I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll let you give how people get a hold of you in just a bit. But I want to say to those of you who don't feel comfortable bringing this up or working with it, call a Beth, someone like Beth, or just call her. I mean, seriously, because um, it is so much easier um, to bring somebody in who knows what the heck they're doing than to navigate it and try to Google your way out of a lot of these things. And you you yourself as a leader Get to sit back with the rest of the leadership team and actually engage rather than you have to be the person that's trying to figure this all out. And right. and I and again, this goes back to the scarcity mindset of I don't know if I can do this or I don't know if we want to engage. Yes, you do. 
because it's, yeah. it will save you time. It will save you money. It will save you effort uh, in those things. And and then, so maybe give me, mm -hmm. I'll act like my uh, executive director peoples. Uh, and that's like, I don't know how to sell bringing somebody in because we're worried about, you know, either, either cost or, or the time or the energy or effort. I think if we can give somebody the chance to empower themselves to go to board leadership and go to somebody to say, we need to bring somebody in like this. <clears throat> what, what is your pitch, if you will, to bring somebody who's a professional facilitator on these, on these topics? So my pitch really is this. Um, so we're really talking about workplace culture, right? So you, every organization has a culture. You just have a culture because people are showing up and they're contributing to their culture. Um, the question is, is it the culture that you want? And is it the culture that you, um, yeah, is it, is, is it really the culture that you want? And is it the ideal culture of where you want to be? So you stand out as that organization that's attracting, retaining, and getting the best out of your talent. Um, and so it's it really comes down to that. You, If you do nothing, you will have a culture. Because you already do. Is it the culture that you want? Um, and I have seen miraculous transformation in the culture when it is a simple agenda item, 30 minutes once a quarter among senior leaders, because talking about it leads to something better, mm -hmm. right? And if you're not currently talking about it now, 30 minutes once a quarter will lead to better. So you're being more intentional about the culture that you want and not just accepting the culture that's just simply going to be. Um, so Sold. I think that's really sort of the way I, I frame it. Sold. And now I know people are going to be wondering <laughs> how on earth do they get a hold of you so that they can make that a reality? Where do you go? How do you find a Beth Ridley on yeah. the interweb so that we can go and, uh, and yeah. find solutions internally? The first place I'm going to send you is to RidleyResources.com because that's where you can download complementary ideas of how to bring these concepts to life in your day-to-day. -day. So I really want to steer people there first. RidleyResources.com. Free downloads for ideas for how to build stronger connections, ideas for how to make your meetings more inclusive, and ideas for, I call them, everyday acts of inclusion. They're all under five minutes to do. Most of them are under 15 seconds to do. So that would be the first place. If you're interested in more things like our consulting facilitation, I do a lot of speaking, then you can go to my website. So RidleyConsultants.com. And of course, we're going to have all those links in the show notes. Yeah, you'll have all those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have those. And so as soon as the podcast is over, get your butts over there and go click and uh, like and follow everything that Beth is doing. And by the way, while you're on the internet and you found this podcast, if you haven't subscribed to this, for shame, you should. And then, of course, go and immediately give it a five star review because that's the kind of guest that we get on the show. Uh, Beth, and then immediately go over there and then call Beth. She'll, she'll yeah. work with, uh, with you. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, um, thanks so much for what you do. The simplicity and the uh, the the lack of um, complicated nature of what this could be is not at all what happened today. And I so appreciate the way that you can actually make this uh, palatable and and really baby step your way into making this the uh, the professional development issue that it needs to be. So thank you. Uh, also, thank you for your perspective and your time and your general awesomeness today. But most of all, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast.
Thank you so much for having me. I loved our conversation. I'd love to come back. Uh, done and done. Talk to you next time. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details.